This is an SM Media production. Folks, and welcome to the debut episode of Chronicle the Rangers Journey. I'm Scott McPike. It's an absolute pleasure to be your host in this new show on the channel. This show is going to be a, a bit of a different one to what we do usually on the channel. We are going into the documentary levels of what we do in the channel, and this is the place to start. We are starting by looking at the what happened when David Murray took over Rangers in 1988 all the way to when Steven Gerrard lifted the 55th title for Rangers in 2021. Every Rangers fan who was around about that time will have went through every emotion, but to learn about why there were so many big journeys in that time, you need to look back. You need to look back to why a man like David Murray was needed and why that revolution was required. And we are going back 10 years from when David Murray took over to 1978 to learn about why this period was required. Joining me in the debut episode of the Rangers Journey is a Rangers fan who's been through it all. He's, he's been through every emotion and he remembers this time very well from 78 to 86. The one and only Alan Bradley. Alan, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the debut episode of the Rangers Journey. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much, Scott. I'm looking forward to hopefully I'll add some value anyway, but yeah. no, it's an amazing story anyway. And as you say, it's really good to kind of go back and just kind of revisit some of those and as you say look at how ultimately I'll link up to what's going to be the revolution further down the line yeah, yeah. obviously the revolution takes off in 86 which is the the next period we'll cover in this journey but I think to to fully understand why modernization and progression was needed at the club you need to look back to this time in 70, 1978 where's where are Rangers in 1978 Rangers are Coming off a treble under Jock Wallace, they've ended the dominance of Celtic. And it was dominance, nine, nine championships in a row, a, a European Cup and several silverware under Jock Steen. Another Jock was the man leading Rangers at the time, Jock Wallace. But out of the blue in 78, it, enough's enough. He, he leaves the club under a cloud, it's, it's fair to say. I think there's, there's, I don't think we'll ever know the full details of what happened. There's... There's been speculation over the years that it was down to money. Like Wallace wasn't getting paid the same as half the teams in the half the managers and the teams in the Scottish League. You've got the was the influence of Willie Waddle, who was obviously his predecessor. He was still at the club as general manager. Alan, that whole Jock Wallace leaving in 1978. First, before we we talk about what we think happened, like what had Jock Wallace done for Rangers in that period when he, he took over, and obviously coming off the back of a a European Cup winners cup under Waddle stopping that dominance of Celtic as well. It was it was a tough ass for him to do that. Yeah, it was. And I, I think on the record as well, we'll get on to Big Greg further down the line too. I've got to put my kind of hand up as well and say, as far as I'm concerned, between Greg and Wallace, they were just my heroes. Yeah. Big Greg in terms of the greatest ever footballer, obviously, we'll get on to it. But Joe Wallace, what he did, as you say, he came in there pretty quietly as well, didn't he? From kind of hearts ultimately to you know be assistant to, to Waddle. Mm-hmm. And I think he played a good part as well in terms of the, the kind of bonding of the team and so on. Whereas Willie Waddle 
was far better in terms of the standards and discipline and really the tactics away in Europe. But when Big Jock actually took over, it did really well during that period. I think we would then go on and win the Scottish Cup final against Celtic Centenary one, yeah. which was great. Greatest moment in my life was actually winning the league up at Easter Road when Big Steen equalises. And again, as a kid who had watched the nine in a row, it wasn't even a case of stopping Celtic, but for me to actually see Rangers winning a league title yeah. uh, was magnificent. The, some of the performances as well that he had as well, it was just so good. We then, uh, then after that, we then ultimately go on and we'll win the treble too, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. We then have a kind of iffy year where it just all went a bit pear-shaped, but then again, back again, second treble. So for me, what he did, and I think during those, the times where I think he won eight trophies uh, with Big Wallace, the helm, he actually made a surplus as well in terms of transfer. So it wasn't as if he was kind of, you know, throwing loads away. Uh, you mentioned it too, Willie Waddle, because obviously the priority after the disaster as well was a how can we get things in terms of the park yeah. and we'll get that will impact further down the line, obviously, yeah, on absolutely. transfer budgets. But no, to me, uh, Joe Wallace, uh, just the greatest. Both him and Greg just typified, I don't know, just everything about that whole Ranger spirit. Uh, yeah, and obviously it's, it, it ends in a, a cloud in 78, obviously, after a, a treble winning season with... I don't. We'll never know what happened, but it's yeah. it's a weird. It's just a weird one, isn't it? You there's so many. There's you would never. I, I, it's just something you'd never expect. A, a treble win and you lose your manager. And and I think he'd also signed a new contract. I yeah. read him saying about a two year contract or, or a couple of weeks before he'd signed a contract again <coughs> on a. As you say, it, it all went on the record as well to say we'd never we'd never talk about it, but. Yeah, one one school I thought was obviously money wise. Mm-hmm. I think he was in twelve grand at the time, Scott. Uh, which obviously I think even I'm trying to think. I think Billy McNeil was even in more too. There mm-hmm. were two other, a couple of other managers. So I think he felt through that period of time as well. It, obviously, he was wanting an increase in salary, but as I say, that that didn't seem to be the reason. There had been some uh, approaches from other clubs as well before that period of time as well. But obviously, Big Jock had stayed on. Uh, other one too, as you said, was Willie Waddle. Willie Waddle was pretty much at his hands, you know, kind of running everything. Mm-hmm. And it's quite funny that once Big Wallace goes down to Leicester, one of the positives he took from it was it actually allowed me not just to touch on the football, but to look at, you know, commercials. So uh, never know, but it totally came out of the blue. You know, yeah. it was, I don't even think there was any kind of rumours up to then. Yeah. No, there was nothing, nothing at all. And obviously the, the search for a replacement goes on and it's when you read at it, it it only ever seems to be John Gregg like there's there's even talk in John Gregg's book that he knows he, he tells his his partner of the time that he's he thinks he's getting the job he thinks he's going to get asked mm-hmm. to, to be the manager was was it all was it always Greg was that the only name mentioned or was there anybody else we'll touch on yeah. this in a few years later when Greg leaves but was there ever yeah. any chat about anybody other than Greg at that point? Certainly myself, guys in the supporters bus and my family and so on. There was no chat at all. It was just a case of, you know, Wallace has gone and then obviously Big Greg was announced. The other thing as well with Wallace I picked up to is he actually went on the record and said he had been to the board as well and he'd said to them he had felt unsettled for a period of time leading up to that one. But again, Scott, that didn't come out to yeah. a way after the event. Mm-hmm. The... The thing of the time, obviously, with managers was doing an apprenticeship elsewhere to to earn your earn your strikes before you move into a big job. And obviously, 
Steen had done it with Hibs and Dunfermline. Billy McNeil would obviously went to Aberdeen, I think it was, yeah, Aber- Aberdeen mm. he was at. Even Rangers, Rangers had done it as well. Like Waddle goes to Kilmarnock, wins a title there. It's, was there a worry at the time with Greg that he hadn't done that as such? Absolutely, definitely. And even even myself at that age, I was 18, 19 at the time. If you think even Scott Simon too, and Scott mm-hmm. Simon plays with his goes to East Fife, yeah, exactly. depressing offence. So, so that was always the way. And I remember at the time when it was announced, the the, the kind of natural, not being disrespectful, but the natural thing would be go on and manage Clyde, go on and manage Hearts or whatever, pick up the experience and for Big Greg to be thrown into the deep end. I, I think the other thing too is one minute or a couple of weeks before, he's a teammate with him, albeit he's a captain and everyone respects him, but to suddenly have that as well, Scott, and then you're the boss, uh, it, to, to me it just seemed a big, big mistake and Greg, knowing the, the man that he is, he was never going to refuse Rangers, mm-hmm. but I certainly felt at the time it's very risky, and I think through time we'll see, I think it was a, a mistake, because he could have gone, I think, picked up more experience elsewhere, then came back. Other thing that I think could have done is they could have went out more to try and keep Wallace. As I say, we don't know what it was, but the ideal one for me would be to keep Big Wallace and have John Gregg then going as an assistant, mm-hmm. and then let him, you know, that could have been another route through. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's more than fair. Greg, obviously, his first season. Let's. This is the. This is the golden point. This is probably as yeah. the high point. It doesn't really get as get as high as this. It's a really bad start in the league. No wins in the first six games. But the the thing is, obviously, the the two cups. Rangers do well in cups at this point. They do well in cups under under mm-hmm. Greg and even Wallace later on. They they won two league cups before that kind of revolution in '86. It takes them three games to beat Hibs in the final. It takes them yep. two replays. It's then a 2-1-1 win against Aberdeen and the, a really strong Aberdeen team who are just riding that crest of a wave before they go on to, to establish themselves. Greg, Greg's first season, when you look at it in paper, is probably if a league win away from being unbelievable. Scott, if you think of the European one too, yeah. we, play, we played Juventus as well. Yeah. We go over there. I think we could beat 1-0. We take them back to Ibrox. The development's starting. We beat them. Now, at that time, Juventus, I don't know how many, maybe yeah. it's eight or nine. Trapatoni's Juventus, yeah. You know, top quality. I remember going to that one. Great atmosphere. And then what we do is we then go to Eind, PSV Eindhoven. I can add an average game at Ibrox. But going over there at the time, PSV Eindhoven hadn't been beaten in Europe, and I don't know. Yeah, you know, you for cup winners as well at that point. I, I, we go over there and we actually beat them over. Obviously, the famous Bobby Russell goal. Mm-hmm. So what we had done at Europe too, we then ultimately get I think it was Cologne. Cologne in the we, quarters, yeah. But, but what happened as well? Winter, kind of the whole winter kind of kicked in. That was obviously after maybe March, which. Uh, it's got an impact to yeah. the, the game's delayed. It was going to be on one day. We play them. We end up having to play with different injuries. But I think Billy Urquhart up front. Mm-hmm. We, we just fall short. But I think that, that links to the Hibs one as well in the finals. Because what happened was at the end of it, if you look at the run of games, these guys had played so many games. They were playing pretty much every three or four days, you know. Mm-hmm. But as you see, I remember going to Parkhead and we were, Scott, we were minutes away. If we'd even get a draw over at Parkhead, it's certainly in our hands. And I think we're 1-0 up, 2-1 down, back to two each. Then there was the own goal late on with Big Jackson, and mm-hmm. then McLeod scored. 
it was one of the lowest feelings ever because we were so close from consecutive uh, trebles as well. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, when you look at that season as a whole, obviously the the two cup wins, Juventus under Trapattoni, mm-hmm. a massive team, a ma- massive team. They go on to dominate as well later on in the eighties. PSV UEFA Cup winners hadn't been beaten as you say. Their first Rangers Rangers gave them the first home defeat in European competition. The PSV game is. Finish, it finishes in the 1st of November and Col- the Cologne quarter-final is in the March. March, yeah. It's unheard of. And obviously, you speak to Gordon Smith's famous for saying that that injury, the, the injuries deny Rangers getting really, really far in a European Cup. I think that's fair. I, I would think at that point in time, that was probably about the best chance that we really had. I think so. You I know, think so, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Was that maybe the one Nottingham Forest? But they ended up with, as the teams had went out... Nottingham Forest and Malmo in the Malmo. final, I'm sure. Oh, uh, that just seems to be... And it's repeated itself, isn't it? We end up going to major finals without yeah. strikers and things. But, but at that point in time, there was no real... OK, we were disappointed at losing the league at the end to Celtic. But your average Rangers fan, as you say, ticked a few boxes. Big Greg in at the deep end, nearly nearly the treble, and as you say, quarterfinals in the European Cup. Yeah. yeah. I want to learn a bit more about the, the boardroom at the time. Obviously, it is, it is the definition of a boardroom. There is weekly board meetings and things like that. Like, is there, a, is there a lot mentioned at the time about the what's going on behind the scenes, or is it all just about, like, obviously, modern day, we know, we know every... We know every penny that goes into the club now. Like then, what was it like? Your average supporter, to be honest with you, didn't. Unless mm-hmm. it was something in mainstream media, I can imagine at the time maybe Scott Simon mind there was some stuff. But during that period of time, he didn't get much at all. He knew that you kind know, of Willie Waddle was still kind of up there, but it was pretty much all in the park. And as you say, read about it later on. It becomes this. Was it Tuesday? Uh, Big Greg talks about the boardroom. It's a kind of board meetings half past three to half past nine every Tuesday with maybe about an hour talking about the actual football side. And it just became, it just seemed like a kind of committee, to be honest with yeah. you, rather than a, a real professional organisation, you know, that was focused. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think the other one too, in terms of funding, obviously, will come down later on because there was this big tension between obviously the stadium which the Rangers pools had really helped to. But yeah. obviously Dido as well was on the record to say, we don't want to get into any debt as well. So I think there would be tensions. We also have those players who ultimately were playing. Some of them had been there maybe from the 70s, some before. So Big Greg still get them. There's a few of them getting to, I think average age was 27 when he took over that team. So again, he didn't really have the chance of maybe kind of cutting some out, bringing you in. And I feel that was one of the problems too, that he ended up maybe playing too long with those guys and earlier on, there hadn't been a conveyor belt that we used to have in the 60s of youth. Mm-hmm. So when Big Greg took over as well, on the Monday, he used to actually take the kids who were coming after school. And I think you, you'll have maybe about 10 of the guys that we all know as Rangers legends and so on. But at that point in time, there was nothing coming through, Scott. Yeah. So they were depending too much on these guys who were at a later stage and getting injuries. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously, 79-80 is... is probably as bad as you can get really I mean yeah. fifth in the league but the, the emergence of the new firm at this point obviously Dundee United would come later on but Aberdeen emerges a big a big powerhouse obviously under Alex Ferguson who Alex Ferguson's a weird one because obviously we'll touch on him later on when he gets a chance to to take over from Greg but 
could you feel this Aberdeen thing coming? Like, could, was was there a was there anything about this, or was this out the blue? Like, Rangers finished fifth this season, and Aberdeen do do establish themselves as the, the powerhouse at this point. Even before then, they had there was a number of young players coming through Aberdeen. <coughs> Probably the opposite of ours, if you think of, and then you end up with your Leighton McLeish Miller, Eric Blacks, Peter Weirs, and you know Neil Cooper Strachan's and so on. But there was a whole conveyor belt of those guys coming through. Uh, at times, Rangers had been kind of stronger than them, but again, they came through. And Lincoln to Dundee United as well, it was the same. Dundee United, <coughs> again, it was a case of young guys coming through and then uh, joining the team. It wasn't a case of piecemeal bringing people from left to right. So... We didn't see it coming because, as you see, within a couple of years, we were pretty much dominant, and then it, it came in. And obviously, during that period, I think Aberdeen three leagues, four Scottish Cups, two League Cups, then the United League League Cups, two of them. Again, runners-up, UEFA Cup final, semi-final European Cup, and obviously Aberdeen Cup Winners' Cup, Super Cup. So, yeah. so there's some cracking players in there. And between Jim McLean and Ferguson, really well organised as well. Mm-hmm. The thing as well, obviously, the this season you look at it and you just think it's it's not a it's it's a bad range of season. You look at it, a third round exit in the, the League Cup, Scottish Cup, obviously beating the final to Celtic with a, a deflected George McCluskey shot. Yeah, yeah. Was that unfair? Was that un, were Rangers unlucky that day? I, th- I thought we had actually done no bad, and then it got there and then the goal. But I thought that day, similar to later on, I think when we play Aberdeen. Through and we, I think we always won that an extra time, but again, Rangers were pretty decent, you know. But at that point, but no, certainly during that season, things you could see things were beginning to come off, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the pressure was building on Big Greg, and you know, as well, we're not the most patient any of the squad, aren't we? You know, yeah, yeah, I think so. That's... You've, so, you've got Celtic obviously doing better than this, it's always the you know, a real kind of pain. You've got these other two clubs coming through, and then it just increased, you know, the pressure on Rangers, yeah. I mean, you're out, out of Europe as well. Like the, the the last time Rangers would play in the European Cup the season before, it would be 10 years before they would do it again. But uh-huh. a Cup Winners' Cup exit to Valencia, who obviously would go on to win it, so you can you can see the likes of that. But it's it's tough because you say, you've said, I've heard you say many times, Greg was your hero. Well, there's, there's, oh, there's, there's that thing, and I think we see it all the time. You're willing to just give them chance after chance, even when you know it's going wrong. I think we see it all the time in football. And, and things have changed. Uh, we've talked about it in the dominant series as well, about at that point in time, as much as we're disappointed, but you, you sort of go and see Rangers, you don't know a lot about what's going behind. You, you're, you're optimistic to start with, things start coming off. You're then waiting to maybe the cup, see how it's going, but you keep going. And as you say there, there wasn't the same. Um, nowadays, I think if you remember maybe a couple of years ago, maybe we draw with Livingston and there's yeah. practically a, I mean, it was ridiculous. So although we were disappointed and I, obviously because it was the likes of Big Greg, we were prepared to, you know, kind of give them time. And, and some of the players as well, they're still talking some of the legends from yeah. Barcelona and so on. So it's, yeah. I mean, you look at the you look at the players as you mentioned, like the, even the next season, McCoy, McCoy's still there, Sandy Jarden, Tom Forsyth, Colin Jackson, Bobby Russell, Cooper. Obviously, Cooper's obviously at the the early stages of what he was going to be. Willie Johnson, Derek Johnson. There's it is still that core. It is still that core, and it's it's a strange one because Greg would later on he would he would bring in players, and he would. Is it fair to say he would bring in players? 
not up to Rangers level later on? I, I, th I think it would be. I mean, I think there were some, you know, there were some of them that were, but yeah, certainly not compared to... And, and what, he, what he should have done really is if they had been a wee bit more kind of, not brutal, but with some of the players releasing them earlier. But again, I think if it had a better kind of transfer, you know, he could actually have got in some quality and taken out one or two at a time. But what happened was it seemed to just go too far. Mm -hmm. And as you see, I think by that time, Scott, we were playing catch-up, weren't we? Yeah. You know, with the other three sides, yeah. But spending the money as well. Two big signings in this, the summer of 1980. Jim Bett from Lockerin for 150000 Colin McCarron for Patrick Thistle, 165000 It's Yes, Rangers are still spending money. Rangers are spending big money at this point. Yeah, and Jim Bett, to be honest with you, I think he was one of the positives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think he was definitely one of the... Uh, I think that John McClellan too, ultimately. Mm -hmm. I mean, McClellan, I think we got him relatively cheaply, you know, maybe 60 grand or so. But So there were some good ones in, uh, and ultimately ended up with like, uh, Robert Pritz and things. But again, we're not playing that type of football. Even even within the grounds too, we tended to do a wee bit better away from home. That whole Ibrooks getting developed... That had a wee impact too as well on the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that time. Yeah. Do you think that was a big thing as well? Like obviously the the stadium things are something that I'm kind of keen to get your thoughts on because Rangers had had a disaster in 71 and it does Willie Waddle. I mean, I think this is his greatest legacy at Rangers. He does yes. immediately stand up and say, We need to modernize this ground, we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. And when he's doing that, he he's so far ahead of what this, what the real realisation is because 10 years after this I mean clubs are trying to get up to grips with the Taylor report and Rangers are already far ahead and that is the kind of forward thinking that was at Rangers at this point ever like it was small but that's a big thing from Waddle to obviously implement that and obviously the circumstances meant they had to but it's building for the future and I think it was more the determination of Waddle, obviously, yes. what I'd been through, as opposed to some of the directors in the, you know, you know, that's the thing. I don't think it was some kind of major strategic issue. I think because of what happened and he went on there and he was so determined to do it. Mm -hmm. I think the only trick we did miss is potentially we could have looked for more funding. And as I say, made some of the changes earlier, Scott, you know, into Greg's rather than suddenly waiting till later on. Uh, and as I say, ultimately, I think even when we'll get into Wallace, but even the end when Wallace comes back, there's a lot of people that Greg's brought through, mm -hmm. which ultimately soon as we'll end up benefiting yeah. from. Yeah. And there was that there was definitely that period, I think, in Rangers' history where we took our eye, you know, off of kind of bringing people through. Yeah. 80, 80 and 81, things do improve. Uh, there is an improvement, a Scottish Cup win. Uh, I'll get your thoughts on that in a minute. But the third place, 12 points behind Celtic, but it's still progression on the season before. The League Cup, a weird defeat to Aberdeen. With, I mean, I've, I've seen this back. Aberdeen get two penalties that are even there, even now, or no, no penalties. But there is that, there is that progression. And I think, as you say, when you're saying about Greg, obviously you're willing to give him the time, and mm -hmm. that bit of progression, I think, did did help. And then obviously a trophy at the end of it, a, a four-one final replay against the United after a, a really tedious now-now fight, now-now final in the first game, but. John McDonald with a double, David Cooper, Bobby Russell. That that cup eased the pressure in Greg at that point, do you think? Again, I think so, yeah. I think Ian Redford missed the penalty, didn't yes, he? Yes, that's right, yeah. And then obviously we played the replay, but yeah, it did. It's funny what you say. <coughs> at that point in time, we just went to Hamden 
semi-finals and finals and typically won, didn't we? Yeah. But that was probably getting towards the end of it, apart from the League Cups. But, but no, you're right. Again, he gave him another one. I, I think even when he did go at the end, the majority of Rangers fans, as much as it became a we do need it, change with that. But because of such a fondness for John Gregg, do you know what I mean? It's like one of your family. And, yeah. and you knew that it wasn't for the want of trying. Uh, but yeah, as, as you say, that, that gave us a wee bit of a lift, a lift anyway, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The obviously there's we, we mentioned that a bit the, the it's perceived at the time obviously a lack of ambition for the club due to the transfer funds but it has been directed towards the, the redevelopment but mm-hmm. is there that is there that not disdain towards the fans at this point but like is it a case of that the board are at the time in house keep it quiet as opposed to like let the fans know that that this is for the greater good, this redeveloping this ground. Do you think there is the, the do you think the board have the, I mean, it's, I mean, it's 1980, it's not modern day. Like, what's the kind of board and the fans relationship like at this point? Nothing like it is now. I, I think now the way it's got, it's a, you need the three in sync, don't you? You need the mm-hmm. team, you need the fans and you need the board and everyone needs to be in unison. At that point in time, I, and I don't think it would be unfair to say, but it was a case of these guys will sort of come anyway. There wasn't any really kind of proactive go out there and say, listen, you're going to have to give us a time. This is part of a kind of longer, you know, plan that we have. They would do the odd, go out and maybe speak to various supporters and so on, but there wasn't that kind of same, I don't, I don't know, the kind of communications department and so on and yeah. getting messages out. And I think that hence that the reason as well Attendances would just go down then, wouldn't they? Because guys would just vote with their feet, really, and go, eh, that's us out of this one now. And you could see the crowds to start off with in seasons, maybe start 20 odd thousand and so on. They could go up and go up. Old firm games would be pretty full anyway. Maybe some of the bigger ones, hearts and so on. But you could see it, Scott, the people in the end, they would just drift away. And it was getting to the stage where some, I mean, especially with that, with the seated stadium as well, and you were just seeing these various empty. Sometimes you get sub twenty thousands, didn't you? And yeah. I, th- I think I remember at one point me ultimately going to games where there was like eight and nine thousand. Yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's four home games in a row here between eighty one and eighty two, from December to the nineteenth of December eighty one Rangers home at India two one one eleven thousand fans, ninth yeah. of January nineteen eighty two a one 0 one against Celtic bet the bet penalty forty four thousand, at Dundee United two 0 one a week later twenty three thousand. And then Hibs a week later, a week out, two weeks after that, twenty thousand. You've just got that. It's that mixture. It's, it's... And be- because we didn't. It wasn't a case of season tickets then. I think I yeah. said when when Soonest came, we had six thousand. That was the record we'd ever had. Mm-hmm. But most people, you just went on your supporters' bus. You went there. There was no problem in terms of getting tickets. Same with away games too. So as you say, one one part of the season you would go, the bus was full. People were getting turned away. And then as you say, points later on, it was like a Pick a seat, any seat. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got John Payton later on, the, the Rangers chairman, betting what the what the tickets, what the attendance is going to be. I mean, that's, that's unheard of now. Like, it's even <coughs> even now for like, a friendly, you would get double that. Do you know I what I mean? Know. Like, it's just it's unbelievable. But eighty one, eighty two is that. This is the kind of the time that this is the time where is there going to be that progression under Greg? It's another third place finish. There is a League Cup win. The Scottish Cup final in 1982, I want to get your thoughts on, because Rangers Rangers play Aberdeen, the lead for the majority of the match. 
and Aberdeen just turn it on and it finishes 4-1 and it's what happens there three goals in extra time and Aberdeen just steamroll Rangers and I think it kind of knocked the stuffing out of me to be honest we even get into that summer holidays and it you know as you say it was I mean it was we were doing no bad and then at the end some of the goals it was embarrassing wasn't it in the end into uh, yeah uh, so I think even people like me who was like it's John Gregg it was really beginning to hit home now that you know we need, we need to do something about this one because they just seemed to be getting better as well didn't they yeah. which made things worse uh, yeah and is it that is is it that in the boardroom as well? Is it like we cannot we we don't want him to we don't want Greg to fail we don't want him to we don't want this to happen? Is is that in a, in the boardroom as well at this point? Is there that thing of we've we've promoted Greg we've we, he's obviously the club legend he is the greatest ever Ranger I think that's absolutely fair but is there that stubbornness to to not progress and realise that they need to move forward? I, don't, I really don't know. I know near, very near the end of his tenure as well, Greg actually went to them and had said to them, look, this is all... I mean, he was going through a lot of problems stress-wise and everything. Yeah. He said it was just taking... So, I mean, he was having to... This is another ridiculous thing. He was having to negotiate with agents to do with Jim Watts' boxing yeah. match and deal with HR matters. And uh, that in itself just showed almost kind of amateurish, you know, in terms of putting him in here and asking him to do that. But I, I remember reading as well that Greg went to them and said to them, look, this is all just getting too much. He'd moved from Edinburgh over to Glasgow, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't. But again, their attitude was, oh, well, nah, we're not going to make that decision. Willie Waddle's on holiday. The rest of his point, we'll just need to keep going. And here's the cracker, Scott. So what we'll do is we'll just look at you from week to week and we'll decide how things are now. That in itself, to the greatest ever Rangers, had given all that service for yeah. what early sixty, you know, and I think in the end of it, that's where obviously it comes, you know, it gets away. So that I think that gives you a wee kind of mirror into, you know, a kind of wee glass into their views. Anyway, yeah. it's just a bit unfortunate as well that obviously Waddle, you know, was kind of further down as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's all changing. I mean, we'll touch in eighty four when it, it does all change in the boardroom and. Aye. But at this point, Greg is, they are still backing Greg. They're giving him money. Craig Patterson from Hibs, uh, that's that's a massive signing, like £200,000. That's mm-hmm. There is this thing of bringing players in from the Scottish leagues. I mean, even even five years later, that doesn't happen. It's, no. It's keep players, keep the players that you think are, and we see a year later, I know he goes, he comes from Sunderland, but Ali McCoyst, he's proves to be one of the greatest signings and we tried to get him before yeah Yeah, that's right but there is this there there still is this kind of keep a Scottish core like Mm -hmm. is it it time to modernise at this point Pritz is what Pritz is obviously a foreigner is it the time to to start looking into the continental market like we would see at this point we would see this point like English calls we're in to adopt I think they could also have looked as well at taking some of the pressure off of Greg and what else could we do could we bring someone else in you know, to help there and so on. But I, I don't know. It just seemed to be, all just seemed to be building kind of on him, mm-hmm. you know, at that point. And it seemed piecemeal. That was the only thing I felt with kind of some of the signings as well. There wasn't, you know, nowadays there's I've got a certain way. And you can imagine the director of football were looking for this or that. Sometimes it became a who played well against us or, you know, at that point in time, or this guy's up for grabs. We'll put him in. At times as well, maybe 
bring him in one position and then in playing him elsewhere. So yeah, the eighty three eighty four. This turns out to be the last the last few months of the Greg era, but it starts badly the season. One point from four league games, but it's the first six league cup games turn out to be really good for Greg. But it's the cup winners' cup run. The Win the second round, a 2-1 win over Porto, who, again, who, who go on and win the European Cup a few years later. They turned out to be a big team. But was there was there something brewing, do you think? Was it the was it just a realisation in Greg that this isn't working anymore? I, I think more in Greg rather yeah. than us, to be honest with you. It's funny you say that as well about Porto and Valencia and all these teams. And I always remember when you get knocked out and you go... Rangers, we shouldn't have been with Valencia, and as you say, they go on, and then Porto as well. For goodness sake, you know, it's yeah, but that, that just seemed to be the time, didn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. But as you see, I think within the Greg at that point in time, it was, I, I don't know, I think it was enough's enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first nine games and seven, seven points from 18, and in the end, I think I don't want to say the pressure gets too much for him, I don't think that's fair. I think it's just a I think it's admirable from Greg because you you know obviously following his career, John Greg does not want to admit that he's he's failed. Nope, nope, and absolutely. I mean, even if you saw him as a as a player as well, just the drive. I mean, he was pulling people up, driving them on. I think there was one semi final. I remember him playing against Hibs around about the time of the Cup Winners Cup, and I think he'd, he'd done something on his bone, you know, in his his foot, and it was Wallace was wanting to come off, but no, no, big Greg was playing. Th- I mean, it was ridiculous, but that just typified, and, and even you'll see through the, the Barca stuff as well, the guy was playing with injuries in the Lord knows yeah. what, Scott. So put it this way, you could never ever have said, maybe didn't he apply himself enough or so on. If anything, probably, rather than putting his hands up earlier, he, he just kept kind of going. And unfortunately too, I think it had a wee bit of a negativity on people's perception of John Gregg. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, do you think that's changed over, do you think that has changed over the years? Like, do you think there's... The, you do think of the player before the manager now. I think I think so, yeah. I I think most of us as well didn't it's not <coughs> in the case of we didn't think he was a good manager. We just felt that it was he was put in way, you know, too early and didn't have the experience. Some of the early stuff, as you said, with Europe as well, and he did win the odd trophy and so on. So so it, it wasn't the worst at all, but we feel more as if it was actually a shame. You know, yeah. doing that to him, you know, yeah. I think that's right. I think that's fair. I think it's a. I think it is a shame. I mean, you imagine it. Imagine Joe Wallace with him, with Big Greg as assistant for two or three years. Yeah. And then suddenly, Big Joe goes away elsewhere. Could have been totally different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely, totally different. Even, even going and not not learning the trade, but learning the manager, learning how to be a manager, because mm-hmm. you know as well as I do, going into that goldfish bowl in your first job, it's there's no protection. You've not got that. Like if if what I think that Waddle obviously wins a European Cup winners cup, but we we look back, his his league record doesn't that good. Even and against Celtic and so on as well. People talk about Wallace and Waddle. Wallace's record was far far better. But I think what yeah, I think what saved Waddle was he'd won the league elsewhere. He'd won the league before he came to Rangers manager. He's got that in his locker kind of thing. Even Steen Steen had. A lot of uh, Steen had a brilliant record at Hibs and, and Fellman doesn't win much, but no. still has that. I, I've done this before. Uh, and Scott Simon did have a decent record against him. Joe Wallace had Steen's number, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest with you. They actually, when you find out when Greg comes in, then they bring Billy McNeil in pretty much the same month. Yeah. To be honest with you, if Big Wallace had still been there, 
they would not have brought Big McNeil in at that point in time no. because at that point in time he had them, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. But the Greg obviously resigns as manager on the 28th of October 1983 and Tommy McLean goes in as caretaker for a, a few weeks until a permanent manager's brought in. And at the time, what's the speculation like? Like we'll touch on a couple of people who turned it down, but who are the names flying about at the time? Is there, uh, is there speculation? was very much Ferguson, really, and McLean. I think it was Billy Bingham, maybe later, when right, Ross okay. came back, you know. But uh, I certainly, I certainly Ferguson, McLean, maybe Billy Bingham as well, yeah. Alex Ferguson, we'll touch on first, obviously, doing brilliant at Aberdeen, had that Rangers background. Kind of reports since have suggested that it was it was something other than wanting to stay at Aberdeen and continue to build there. What, what do you think of Ferguson, like, because... Different books you read, and there's different there's different stories. What what uh-huh. do you think? Why do you think Alex Ferguson doesn't doesn't take, take that job in 1983? Oh well, probably the first thing for me is I would have liked him to have taken it, obviously because of what he had done and because he was an ex Rangers player. Yeah. You know, although people, things have come out later on, but to me that would have been a great one for us with his experience anyway. Uh, why he didn't take it? Some things later on. I think, was he not a wee bit miffed the first time, supposedly? You know, that they never actually approached him the first time. Yeah. I, I don't know. Other one too is I think Man United seemed to be on the horizon as well. And it, it would look as if he actually signed a new uh, deal, didn't he, with, I think, with Aberdeen as well. It was a five-year contract or something, yeah. but maybe 60 grand or something like that. So I, I don't even know whether he then used that. And as you say, there's been some stuff in books about you know, things that happened when he was there as a player and so on. So, But, but for, to be honest with you, if we'd had him at the time, Scott, I actually think he would have done okay. I know some of my colleagues beg to differ, but yeah. But see, with, with obviously Ferguson, we know what he goes on to do and he's, in my opinion, he's the greatest manager that's, that's walked mm-hmm. the earth, but how different is football and how different is the Rangers revolution that we'll go on and talk about with soon is because it is, it, it does result as that bringing in somebody who's not at a background with the club. It is that that, that kind of kickstart this new era of the club. Do you uh-huh. think it's different under Ferguson if he comes in then? I think it is. I think if Ferguson had came to us, I, I do think it would have pushed us on. Potentially they brought some of the guys from Aberdeen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferguson being the kind of character that he is as well, he would probably have made more demands on this board or committee or whatever they were at the time. Yeah. You know, to make sure that he, he got his way, because ultimately did that with Man United too, didn't he? Whereas, again, Big Greg was in there, really wanted to do well. So, no, I, I, I think it would have worked you know, at that mm. point in time, yeah. Again, his assistant as well, you know, with Archie too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, Jim McLean's another one. Jim McLean's obviously coming off a of League One mm-hmm. in the United. He's, we kind of think of Jim McLean now as this really old-fashioned, the 10-year contracts thing, the, I mean, painting the, sh- painting the bridges and all that. But we look at Jim McLean as, as different, but first things first, he has, he has a proper football manager. See, with the, the lack of resources that he had compared to, obviously, the old firm, he'd done oh so well, and he brought in so many young players. They played some really good football. Sometimes we tended to have their number in terms of finals and things, and... But when you think of what he did, and ultimately you'll see it as well, with getting to UEFA Cup final and the European Cup one too, to be honest with you, yeah. that was pretty dodgy. 
He's obviously got Walter Smith over there with him too. But again, Jim McLean or Ferguson, I would have taken you know, I would have taken him because he had he'd shown I, I think the other thing too, European wise, tactically and all that too, I think, because you know Rangers would play one way and then you would go abroad and we didn't. It was ultimately we managed to do that, but I think McLean would have helped to that way too in terms of counter attacking and different styles of play. And... Yeah. I think as well when you like people will be listening to this show and will be thinking what the Aberdeen and the United manager turning down the Rangers job is is crazy, but they were ahead of Rangers at this point. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny, but obviously you mentioned there about McLean and I think McLean would have been ideal for this situation. I think he would have I I think I still think you get the kind of the revolution. I think that all still happens, but out of the blue, Jock Wallace become, emerges. He's, he's at Motherwell. He's at Motherwell at this That's point. Right. Surely at this point, there's when he's when Jock Wallace is mentioned to be coming back, there's this thing of why is he coming back after he's left in such weird circumstances? Uh, I think I think my probably I think my heart, you know, rolled my head and that yeah. again because and I, of think my I think that's it. And that was probably I don't mean an easy sell to Rangers fans, but that was the one that certainly because of what he had done before, he'd done no bad at Leicester. He did eventually get them pro- uh, promoted. He stayed up for a season back down again. Obviously, Motherwell. I think even his first game against us with Motherwell, didn't he? Motherwell yeah. were scunnered him <coughs> because he walked out to the acclaim of the Rangers fans, didn't mm-hmm. he? So, yeah. so I'm coming back. So my, I think my at the time my heart was going big jokes back. But, you know... And it was amazing, the atmosphere. I remember going up to Pataudry. I think it was the first game. We could beat 3-0 up there. And, geez, well, it was like the prodigal son coming back. <laughs> you know, the big man up there in the ring. Yeah. And and to, to give him his due, we went on a pretty good run after then. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know if it was 15 or 17 games unbeaten, but we went on quite a... So he did turn it around a wee bit, uh, and he, he did get them playing more... It was even, I think the first time was at the Black and Red Sox up there. <coughs> and I always remember him saying, as we might not play like the Rangers, but we're going to look like the Rangers. And then obviously, big job stamped his own thing on it. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the thing is, obviously, as well, is morale and fitness is the big thing that comes in and improves. Aye. That's this, the well, no, we talk about the kind of sand dunes and things like that with Wallace, but he came in and immediately, he immediately just improves things. He just steadies the ship. and it's what it's what Rangers needed at that point. I'm not disagreeing, but uh, he he makes that positive impact, and I think that's a big thing for the next couple of years. I think he, as you say, your dad's back. I think that's what the fans feel. He also had this. I mean, Big Greg was a leader in terms of football, but Big even if he had the stuff to do with Leicester and so on, but they loved him because he was honest. Mm-hmm. As long as you do, as long as you work hard for him, fine. If you if you don't. He'll not miss you and hit the wall, but people knew where they were and they would all run through, you know. So it was really good in terms of this whole leadership and, you know, motivational side and so on. But the big man was was pretty good. And as you're saying, certainly in those kind of maybe year, two years, he was doing okay. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. And the end of the season, we are a trophy, a League Cup win. The, this is one of the, the, the best old firm cup finals I think you, you can find. Rangers 3, Celtic 2. Ali McCoy's by a hat-trick. It includes 104th extra time. Perry, what's your memories of that game? Surely that's one of the highlights for you and your, your time following Rangers. It was. I think what would that be? 22 or something mm. like that. So I remember the Saturday night we were out. It was a Sunday, I think it would be. And then we're Hamden and going to it. Uh, just an absolutely brilliant atmosphere. 
I think the thing that did it for me was I think Sandy Clark. We'd, we'd done okay, didn't it? It was a kind of ball through the middle. But I remember the penalty at the end that won it. Obviously, Big Roy Aitken into McCoy's. But I remember the the one that won it. Scott, me doing, you know that, you know my kind of half glass empty guy. Yeah. Turning, turning back, not looking at the park, looking up at the Rangers end. As my mate tells me, Ali's running up, he's running up. <laughs> and as he hit it, it was oh, as if he's missed it. And then suddenly everything went. So, but it was great. I don't know. It was Bobby Russell playing? We, we actually played some pretty good football as well. Mm. You know, it could, have, it could have been more. They, I think they equalised right near the end, didn't they? And, you know, yeah, they took it to extra time. Yeah. 89th minute penalty from Mark Reed. But to me, that was great. That was his battle fever one as well. Yes, that was a battle fever I, one. And I think that I think that got Wallace through the second time. It was uh-huh. that thing of we're still Rangers. We're not we're not at the top. We're not where we should be, but we are. We're, we've still got that battle fever. Uh, and, and we could do it, and you'll see it further on as well. We weren't consistent enough. Mm-hmm. No. But when it came to those big with some big old firm games and so on, you could do it. Other thing that jumps out in this one too is if you can remember, was it a week or so before McCoy's the Dundee one, uh, where he was obviously getting a bit of a bit, a bit of abuse for the Rangers fans and so on, but he ends up Big Wallace put, puts him into that game, and they were saying, "Were well, you not know, questioning whether you should have or shouldn't?" Have. And he went, "No, no, because that's what I always like. He's got strong character and yeah. so on." And so again, the psychology as well of him doing that because McCoy would be thinking, "That's it. He's leaving me out." And I think he reaped the rewards from that too. Yeah. yeah. And going into 84, 85, where it does start the same way as it ends like the season before. It, it does continue the strong form. They sat at Christmas third, just in touch and distance of Celtic. But New Year's Day, that defeat to Celtic in New Year's Day, and it just goes really downhill from there, doesn't it? So the 2 1 1, I think. Yes, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Let me just double check the. It's a, it's the yeah two one at Ibrox. Cooper scores in Celtic. I think does Johnson score that game if I'm right? He did, and I remember giving him pelters as well when the the game's broken up and the usual, and he was in front of us, and it just he just showed his class because it was yeah. just one chance, and yeah, it's a two one, and then from then you could just you just kind of felt it then, didn't you? I, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure was it in February that time then the the kind of eighty six when then the David Holmes is in. After it wasn't, uh, yeah. I mean, that's we'll we'll go on to that in a, a few minutes. Obviously, at this point, the the chairmanship's changed. Uh, Ray Simpson's out and John Payton's in. Was there was there a big deal made of that at the time? Like this, there's, this was perceived to be the kind of new time, and we get into eighty five. We'll touch on the kind of turmoil in eighty five. But was that seen as a big thing when John Payton mm-hmm. comes in? No, not really. To be honest with you, it was just another one of those kind of. I think it was of like Gillespie and. It was Robinson, there was kind of various kind of garage guys and businessmen and so on, but no, not, not, nothing really in that on that side of it. Yeah. yeah. But obviously the another a League Cup one as well, another League Cup, a, a one 0 goal from Ian Ferguson against the United for the, yep. the second yeah. League Cup. It was then called the Skull Cup, which Rangers were going to dominate for the next few years. But was that enough? Was was it was Rangers fans having the same feeling with, with Wallace as they were? early days with Greg that he'll get it right <coughs> no I don't I mean it, it was good winning the cup but again we just knew there was so much more to go I, I think then there were mumberings of behind the scenes as well as you say that something massively needs to change because although we did the odd cup final and so on and won the odd shiny thing but you could tell couldn't you and we could raise it in the odd game but we couldn't really go and run Scott uh, you know 
so I think at that point in time, again, I think that feeling was, you know, something's going to happen. Uh, again, thankfully, because it was a big jog, uh, you know, we give him more time and so on. But uh, for him too, personally, I think he was struggling too, wasn't he? Yeah. With yeah. Parkinson's disease stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, I think that, yeah. He said that too. And some of the players as well from previously said he wasn't the same guy. He never had that same kind of fight and so on and um, you know mm-hmm. but again he's not going to give up you know he's no, just going to keep going he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a range, he's that Rangers man we talk about he's as you say he's not going to give up even when he knows no. it's it's probably a, an impossible task he's not going to give up until eventually the club kind of do change with the times but we'll go off the park just a minute obviously the turmoil of 85 crowds are down to 17,000 but Something big happens. Jack Gillespie sells his shares to Lawrence Marlborough. How big a turning point is that in the club's history? That's definitely, that is definitely a big one then, isn't it? You know, once he's got that one and then ultimately David Holmes is put in. I think he'd been involved in stuff to do with the stadium and so on as well. But when he went in there, it suddenly, I don't know, it put it up umpteen different notches because you then had a guy in rather than this kind of committee who weren't really... They didn't seem to really know what way they were going. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly had a guy in there doing this kind of business. Where are we going to? How are we going to get there? What do we have to do? Uh, are we on track and so on? And from then on, it just had a feeling as if... Uh, and the good thing as well is that I think Lawrence Marlborough as well, ultimately he was kind of... He was hands-off anyway, wasn't he? Yeah. So it was David, David Holmes himself, you know. And I think he's very... Under, certainly when I, anything I pick up, I think he's very <coughs> under... Rated or I was going to ask you that. What, like, David, what he did for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he obviously kickstarts the, kick the next chapter in this journey, but he comes in round about this time and he's he has something different. He's he's not had that Rangers background. I think he, he comes he comes from the Lawrence Group. He's he's a Lawrence Group employee, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And he's Rangers do need that range at this point. That is I mean, we talk about the signing culture and things like that. Rangers are a club that need to move into a different stratosphere at this point. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that even commercially as well. Yes. There's next to nothing getting done commercially. And the other thing we never touched on as well is I think some of the players were like 120 quid a week and mm-hmm. 90 quid during the peak, you know. So again, all of that, they really had to move with the times because football was changing, do you know what I mean, really all over the place in terms of I don't know the relationship between players and clubs and so on. And then obviously, as we'll get into, you'll get into it in the future, there's a number of kind of major things that will happen too, you know, with the likes of Heysel and so on. Yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. obviously, the kind of European football and stuff that will work to our advantage. Yeah. You know, to me, David Holmes definitely, and people talk obviously about Dave King and so on, mm-hmm. but I actually put David Holmes up there and then kind of having the vision, then ultimately to you know, bring in the manager and totally change. It's just a revolution. Yeah, and it's yeah. as that revolution. It's we will we'll touch on the we'll, we'll get we will touch on the the big appointment that comes later on in that summer. But an infamous game I want to touch on with you because this is a, this is a game that always fascinates me. Celtic are in fourth, Rangers are in fifth, and there's a four four draw in the twenty second <laughs> of March that. Is it fair to say that this is the kind of this is the kind of last time, the last straw for Wallace kind of thing? That this is the. Aye, I, I think so. 
we we'd had I think we'd done a three nothing didn't we in the November before mm-hmm. where we played them off the park we had seen Mark McGee and some of the Rangers young see this is the thing now some of the Rangers kind of young players were coming through yeah. Major Ant Ferguson and so on but you're right this kind of four four ridiculous game <laughs> yeah, you know at the end of it I think that was a classic with the McCoy's celebration wasn't it with his boot yeah yeah you know, one right, of the yeah. goals he scored and was it Murdo McLeod or somebody Murdo Murdo scores to make it four each yeah but you've got I mean it's Celtic going to win the league as well, which I, I find crazy because there's not a lot between Celtic and Rangers at that point. But uh-huh. Celtic are about Celtic are about to go into the the kind of the really bad time of the nineties that they're about to go through. But Rangers are so far behind, just that level uh-huh. where they where they should be, and the where the where the money they've spent as well. Where they are spending bigger most. Outspending most clubs in the the country at this point. That's mm. what is what is happening. Like how's how's how are they still in fifth? I mean, Rangers finishing fifth is un unfathomable to me. I just think the level of players that they had. To yeah. be honest with you, some of the ones are signed. As you say, you can spend money on them, but you'll find out that the ones that will stay will be the obviously the Ian Durant's, the Derek Ferguson's, or well, you've got your McCoy's and so on. I mean, Ted McMahon obviously stayed for a wee bit, didn't he? But mm-hmm. you've got some of those kind of earlier, the kind of Rangers players will stay on. I, I just think it was kind of poor decisions, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. yeah, but obviously Jock Wallace is dismissed in the, in the t- beginning of April. Is there whispers about who's taking over? When, when do you first hear the name, Graham Sooners? I think it must just have been mainstream media for me, you know, because there was none of this, you know, the, obviously, you, you know, the social media side of it. I think it was just mainstream media, you know, whether it be the newspapers or TV. But when it came, it was like, geez, you know, we've got the Scotland captain, haven't we? We've got a guy who's won European Cups with Liverpool over at Sampdoria. Even as a player, Scott, I was excited to be getting, we've got this guy actually playing. Yeah. You know, obviously, he'll turn in player manager. Uh, but no, just the, the excitement of that itself. And then ultimately when uh, Walter Smith, you know, was announced, to me that was a good one because we talk about the John Gregg one that it didn't really have. But Walter Smith had been up there with Jim McLean, all that experience and yeah. so on. Obviously knew Scottish football and knew the club. That's another biggie for me because I think if Graham Sooners had come in with his, obviously his character as well and so on, I, I think it was ideal, the two of them. And yeah. I think Walter had actually, he thought he was going to get it before, didn't he? When Jim McLean... Yeah, I think, yeah, had, absolutely. On the Sunday, I think Jim McLean was like, yep. And then he would phone them back. And Smith thought, this is it. And obviously it came, you know, after that one, yeah. But we'll touch, obviously, on the Soonest Revolution next week. But the how big was the need for that change? How big was the... <laughs> How big was that decision going to just shock Scottish football the way it did? It, it was massive. I mean, obviously, there's other kind of micro things to it. Shock not just Scottish football, but British football as well. Yeah. You know, in terms of Rangers and ultimately, but no, it was so, it was, it was needed so much because, I mean, you see the, the crowds going down and so on. And as much as we were like, that's okay, but we really needed to get back up to, the, you know, the level that we should have been there. Yeah. And as I say, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of it came from really the board decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe with a couple of different moves from left to right, things could have been so much different, you know. And it was a, a, a lot of pain. Fortunately, you'll now get on to some of the, the better, you know. Yeah. But like looking back before we kind of wrap up and, you know, we'll, the overall legacy of that 
kind of 78 to 86 period. It is just bad decisions on the park and off the park. I, I think so, yes, yeah. I think that's all it is. It's a, I think even prior to that, when something happened before that we didn't have this a pool of young players to bring in. Yeah. Uh, so you end up with Scott, I think Scott Nisbet, David McPherson, Derek Ferguson, Ian Gerrant and so on. These ones, they ultimately start coming through. But again, if we'd had that probably middle of the 70s, mm-hmm. what happened is we tended to just kind of stick with, as you said, maybe I reckon maybe eight out of the 11, the guys had been playing probably since 1970 yeah. or thereabouts and we just tried too much in that period of time. Took our eye off the fact that we need to continually, you know, can improve and have this, you know, the, the kind of next circle going through. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think the flexibility as well. I think we should have had a better wage structure from early on too. It was ridiculous mm-hmm. because we probably could have got some of those others from, you know, Aberdeen to the United and so on. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, it's just a shame that with the likes of John Gregg, if we hadn't have maybe done a Wallace with him, or about someone else in at the time, Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But in the next episode of the Rangers journey, we will look at that Soonish shift. We, that's the when Graham Soonis comes in and just he hits Scottish football like a whirlwind, changes Rangers completely on and off the park with that immediate summer of '86. And there's just so much to get through in those three years before we look at what happens when Murray takes over. But For the first episode of the Rangers journey, I want to thank Alan Bradley for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to go through that time with you. No, I really appreciate it. I don't know if it was a pleasure for me, Scott, just (laughs) bringing back some of those memories. No, hopefully I've helped you add value as well, mate, and explain. Yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in. And please follow us for the future episodes of the Rangers journey. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers.